Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of the individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to welcome, introduce and welcome our speaker for tonight, Vivian P. Thank you. Do I speak in here? Yeah. Okay. I was wondering what that... Oh, hi, I'm Vivian. I'm a compulsive overeater. I was wondering what this little device was that everyone was so concerned about, but I guess it was the recorder. So um, I want to thank Lucy for asking me to share. Um, I have been abstinent from sugar. And first, and I want to, before I even tell you that, I want to congratulate August in 60 days and and Morgan on six months, and it's Denise on 11 years. Hooray. So I was saying in my mind, August, Morgan, Denise, August, Morgan. <laughs> so if you're listening here, it's not just me speaking. And by the way, I have um, next year, or next month actually, in less than a month, I'll have 40 years of abstinence. I know, gasp. 19, <laughs> 1983 is actually 40 years ago. Um, when I see th- movies from the 80s now, we were just watching Caddyshack. I'm like, wow, it looks so old. <laughs> <laughs> but I came in here, and I was somebody who, like, I came in young, but I could have come in here in kindergarten, basically. I mean, I've, I've had a trouble. I've had trouble with food and sugar. Sugar was my master. And hello to everybody. I know almost everybody in this room. And if I don't know you, I hope I know you before, before we leave. I I was somebody who, I mean, I tried to do everything I could think of to stop eating, just stop eating, period. Like, I, I didn't even think to myself, I want to eat healthy. I thought that was beyond me. I thought I could maybe stop eating, and but I could never even do that. I, I My earliest... Reminiscence of compulsive overeating is when I was we were I, we were still living in New York City, so I know I was under seven years old. I think it was like five years old, and I would wake up at six o'clock in the morning and just watch whatever TV show was on. And I have a jar of pickles, uh, dill pickles, and a big yellow bag of Lay's potato chips, classics. And I would just have my my left hand in the pickles and my right hand the potato chips, and just alternate one after the other. Every time I went to a restaurant, I would ask for the dessert menu. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thank you. And I always, looked at, <laughs> I always looked at that first to plan what my meal would be. Not that I ever, you know, didn't matter what I, didn't matter what I ate. I remember I would have like the fanciest thing on the menu, I would say, which was, back then was lobster thermidor, which was like lobster with this cheese sauce all over it. And... I, when I look at pictures of me when I was little, I don't look like this super fat kid, but I felt like I was a fat kid. And I remember my grandmother uh, telling me that I should start, I should go on a diet, like when I was really young, like when I was 12 or something. And I remember I was just telling, um, may I say your name? I was just telling Kiko that one of my, 
we were talking about what we tried to do to control our weight, and one of my favorite ways of losing weight was when I got pneumonia when I was 14. I was in bed for a week, two weeks, and when I woke up, I, I just slept the whole time. It wasn't even a painful illness. I woke up and I was 10 pounds lighter. And if I could have reinfected myself with a Petri dish of pneumonia for the rest of my life whenever I needed to lose weight, I assure you I would have. I wish that my dad was like an immunologist or something so I could go and pretend that I knew was interested in his work and just, you know, come home with um, bacilli of pneumonia. I, I would eat, you know, two lunches. I would like, when I was in college, I, um, I went away to college and you could go, nobody knew if you were at the early lunch and the late lunch. You know, I just go to a different restaurant. I, um, I didn't, I got here so long ago that I had never heard of bulimia. When I found out what it was here in OA, I was like, that is genius. Like, who thought of that? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and as he goes saying to me, like, that's not normal. It's like, it's not normal. But for me, it's like, wow, who thought of that? I, the, I tried, there's a part in the big book that talks about we tried um, all these different solutions. I thought of, I tried everything. The only thing I thought that I hadn't tried that I thought might work was if they put me in a health spa where they locked the door where they locked the door and but those were really expensive and I was saving up I was saving up for them like put me in a health spa where they would just feed you like almost no food and then like two weeks later you'd have lost I don't know five ten pounds and it's not like when I got here like I'm about 120 pounds now I and to define my abstinence it's sugar has to be the fourth ingredient or more it's not in the first three and not in any form not in um brown sugar, white sugar, you know, cane sugar, glucose, sucrose, anything like that. But if it's in the fourth, that's okay. I worked, worked that out with my sponsor early on. It was just based on my favorite um, diet salad dressing at the time, Kraft's Creamy Cucumber, which was probably full of chemicals, but it had um, sugar was the fourth ingredient, and she said that would be fine. I... I, when I got here, I was pretty much, I was willing from the, the second I got here. I remember my first share. I remember I was working with someone who was a 100-pounder. Her name was Barbara Z, and, and in fact, she was in the movie Popeye by, that Robert Altman did. And just recently, I looked at that movie just to see her because I hadn't seen her in so long. And she died, um, you know, many years ago now, but she was the funniest person, and she was like 300 pounds. And we were working together. It was my first job after college. And I was really good at school, but I was terrible at work. I would show up late. I, um, I, got, I, I got a job where nobody cared if you showed up late. I, um, I made up a, a, all I did was call the phone, call the phone company to repair the cable lines because it was one of these old cable companies where everybody was always having bad cable and they were always calling and they called them irates like the irates would call in and so the phone lines are always busted up and it was just my job to call the phone company and I made up this like highfalutin name for it because ego is another one of my character defects anyway um Barbara worked there and she said to me one day, and she didn't think I had a problem because if you look normal, you know, fairly normal to someone who is a hundred pounder, and she was literally like 300 pounds, I'm not exaggerating, 
And she, so I was like 20 pounds overweight. But she asked me if I wanted to go to um, an Alcoholics Anonymous dance with her. And I just thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard of. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagined a bare light bulb in a room about this big, which, you know, this room is maybe the size of, you know, two bedrooms um, for the people on tape. And a single light bulb and, and all these old men in raincoats sort of circling around the light bulb. And I just thought, this will make a great story. Uh, and I always wanted to like, live life to make a great story. That was all I want. I just wanted to experience. So I went there, and I was actually introduced first to Alcoholics Anonymous because I went to this dance, and I saw this was God entering my life. Okay, there's... This is a spiritual program. I have a spiritual disease. I was an agnostic when I got here, which means I didn't know if there was God or not, and I really didn't want to argue about it anymore. And, but, but that didn't mean that God wasn't looking out for me, and God knew how to get my attention. What was it? A cute boy. So you may be able to tell that I'm multiply addicted. <laughs> I have, I'm also an alcoholic, and I'm just telling you this because it makes me fill it out in the form. So I guess some people are interested in this. I'm a compulsive overeater, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm also an Al-Anon. So I saw this cute boy on a bus that day, and guess who was at the Alcoholics Anonymous dance that night? Yes, Francesca. The cute boy. The cute boy was there. Out of the, like, three million people in L.A., he was there. And he asked me out on an AA date. And I went on an AA date, and then Barbara said... Um, Barbara said that she would go to OA, and, and she goes, but I don't think you have a problem. But I kept, And he said to her, oh, I remember what happened now. He poked me in the hips, and he goes, you need to, you're so pretty, but you need to lose some weight. I know, everybody here goes, oh, I tell you, I was so not feeling. I wouldn't let those feelings in until, like, later. I would cry, like, and not know what I was crying about because I, it was too painful to hear somebody tell me I was fat. So he said this, and I was just like, okay, where do I need to go? He goes, you need to go to OA. You need to lose weight. So I said, you know, Barbara, tell me where one of these meetings are that you go to. And so she did. And it was, and this is sort of cruel to people in OA, I think. It was in a kindergartner's room. So there were these tiny little chairs. <laughs> um, and everybody had to sit in the tiny little chairs. And I remember my first share was, I, that I would go to the grocery store and I would eat all, they had barrels of, you know how they're always trying to like disguise sugar? So they had barrels of what they called like healthy carob raisins. They weren't chocolate raisins, they were carob raisins. And carob something else. And I used to just go in there with, with um, you know, those little shovels they give you for barrels of stuff and just like eat my way through the grocery store. I just ate my way through grocery stores and I thought I was saving money. I did not think that I was stealing. And so I shared this and everybody like clapped and was like nodding their heads and identified with me. And I was just like, I am home. Like, I can't believe I can tell people this. And and they, not only are they not telling me to leave the room, but they're identifying. This is unbelievable. I can't believe this place exists. Really, honestly, if they would have told me about, told me, told this to me when I was in grade school, I'm sure I would have gone. Because um, I've just known forever that I, I, I have a real problem with food. So I started going. I got, um, 
And if you're new, the really important thing, I think, to do is actions here. Um, it's all about the actions. It's like, yes, we read the big book, and the big book has, has had sort of a resurgence in popularity, I feel like, in the last 10 years, where before, when people would come and they would quote the big book, we would call them big book thumpers. We sort of put them down. But now everybody's like, oh, the big book, the big book. And the big book is great, but it's really, the most important thing is doing what the big book says and really doing that. Like, I go to regular meetings. Um, my sponsor made me, I just did whatever my sponsor said. I also, I don't have a problem with being a rebel. Like, a lot of people have these rebel problems. Thank God that's not one of my problems. I will, I follow directions. So if you tell me to do something, if I decide I want to do something, I basically want to get an A. <laughs> I want to do well in that course, or I don't want to take it at all. I would rather either be in a bakery or just do this program to get an A. Or it's a waste of time for me. And it, and it even talks about in the book that half measures avail us nothing. I don't like half measures. I like all the way measures. <laughs> so when I got here, I, I just did whatever she said. She said to call her every day, and I remember that was when they had telephones that had, like, cords on them, <laughs> and you had to be, they were only in your house, and I remember, like, and they were heavy, too, and I remember carrying the phone around in the living room, like, because she had told me to call her, and I was so scared to call her, and she was the nicest person in the world, and I finally called her, I'm like, Barbara, hi, it's Vivian, and she's like, hi, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. She goes, okay, call me tomorrow. Click. That was it. <laughs> like, uh, I was so scared to do what she said, but it always, like, were these tiny little actions. So I called her every day. She told me to get commitments. In fact, they say here, stick with the winners, which I translate in my mind as study with the smart people. You'll get an A. I would always do that. Like, I am terrible at math. I hate math. I got a boyfriend in college just because he was good at math. <laughs> I'm just like, you are really smart at math, and, I, and you will get me through. And he did. And I even did well in accounting. Like, I hate numbers. I absolutely hate them. But if, I will do whatever work I need to do to get through. So when they say stick with the winners, like, that really works. Um, stick with the people who are doing well in the program. Like, you guys took, took um, chips. You guys are serious about this. Like, people like that are, like, who I stuck with. And people um, raised my hand to get commitments. Like, a commitment is a little job at the meeting. Now, I, so I remember Neil S., who I haven't seen, I don't even know, if, I think he was still alive. Anyway, they, they needed somebody to do the newcomers meeting. I had like a month of abstinence, and he just raised my little elbow. And I was just, okay, I guess me. And I did it, and I remember somebody asked me to sponsor them, who was, she was like in her 50s or 60s, and I was 24. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I remember, too, when she called me on the phone, I felt like when I hung up, I thought, I can't believe I just said all those things. I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. It was like God, like, spoke through me cause I, because I had to. Like, I, it was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to try and, get, and help this person. And it was just like another, it was like another voice, like a, like a God spirit, like speaking through me. And I don't mean like I saw visions or anything, but it was just, it was just like, I couldn't believe I was able to help her. So I kept on coming back. I am, what I do consistently is I go to four meetings a week. 
Um, I did my I did my fourth step. I did my fifth step in my first year. I did all my amends. Um, I have a great amends story, but it takes like ten minutes. But I got um, I got the free, one of the promises freedom from financial insecurity. I fe- I feel like the more difficult my amends are, the more um, stronger the promise I get. Like, I had to do a really, just, you know, in one sentence, I stole my roommate's mother's engagement ring. Whoops. And I made amends for that and paid her back and got her a new ring. And it was really difficult. It took me, like, and if anybody is waiting on their amends, it took me, like, seven years to do it. It took me a long time. I wasn't going to do it. But from that, I remember I bought a house, didn't have a full-time job, and never worried about paying the mortgage. Never worried. I just knew I was going to be able to pay it. And I was working temp jobs because I, at that point I had decided that I wanted to be a writer. Unfortunately, I couldn't invent things. So it was sort of a drawback. I never did become a writer. But I, I was able to buy this house. Um, I repaired my relationship with my parents, especially with my mother. I was never had a great relationship with my mom um, to this day, I would never choose her as a friend. She's, she's very, um, I remember I had a British friend that met her and said, your mother is so up a class. And I was like, you know, she's cold is how I would describe her. She's cold and very, and she's like the center of attention, and she's, she's beautiful. She was the queen of Schaefer beer, like for real. Um, and she's, she just, she never really liked me. It was really the problem. She, and we never had a great relationship because of this. And, but my sponsor told me, you are a bad daughter. Whoops. I was. I did not know that. But I was. I was a terrible daughter. All I did was call up and ask for money all the time. And my sponsor said, you are not ever allowed to ask for money from your parents ever again. I was like, I took to my bed. <laughs> I just, for two reasons. Number one, I didn't think I could earn any money myself. I had no confidence in myself as a worker. Um, I had a lot of confidence in myself as a, a scholar, but not as somebody with, with a job. All these people that couldn't wait to get out of school so they could work, don't identify. <laughs> I wanted to stay there forever in this like little cocoon of, of learning things and never having to do something. But um, she, so they, she pointed that out, that I cannot ask them for money anymore, and I need to call them every week and have a few things to say to them that are not controversial, then you're not going to make them angry. Uh, very key. And I said, like, what will I say? And she goes, just write a couple of things down. Uh, so I did, and I've been calling them every week, every week since. And even now, I just spoke to them before. My mom has Alzheimer's now. Um, she's actually, uh, she's nicer to me ever since she got Alzheimer's. She's, like, happy to see me. I'm, like, one of the, you know, sometimes Alzheimer's are not a bad thing for the children anyway. Just, and she's, they, they are both, um, they're 93 now, both of them. They're going to live forever, I tell you. Our people in our family, like, never die. They, we're way too healthy. So, but I say hi to them. I am a kind and loving daughter. I've seen them like five times this year, and they live in Pennsylvania. Now, this is really, this was taught to me in program by my sponsor and by others around me. This is a living amends. This is what they call a living amends. Do I want to go? This is the only place I've gone in three years. I haven't had a vacation in three years. That is not a vacation. That is doing my duty. That's 
um, Kant, the philosopher, said that if you're doing something you're supposed to do and you don't enjoy it, that's the highest good. <laughs> it's like, I feel like this is the highest good. It's like, no, I don't enjoy it. When I go there, I have an okay time, but do I want to do this? No, but I do want to do the right thing. I do want to do the right thing, and, and I know that it's the right thing to do. And when I die, when they die, I don't want to feel guilty either. I want to feel like I was a, a kind and loving daughter. And I have been a kind and loving daughter to them these years just because of this program. Because uh, I actually, I have a strong conscience and, you know, I eat over all sorts of things. And that, that would be one of them. Where am I on time? Oh, God, we have forever. Um, six o'clock. So another thing that I was really terrible at was romantic relationships. I mean, just the worst. Just the worst. Yeah, thank you for laughing. Um, that was why, in fact, I joined Al-Anon, because um, Liz T. said to me one day, Vivian, you have the same problems of all those people in Al-Anon, except you don't date alcoholics. And I was like, wow, there's a place for me? <laughs> like, so I did the same thing. I went and I joined that program, and I I did it seriously, just like I did this program. Just, um, I want to get an A in that, too. That's like, if, if, if you were going to help me with my problem, I'll do whatever you say. If you can prove to me that you had my problem by me talking to you um, and that you've gotten over it, I will, I will do whatever you say. I believe in going to experts. So I did do that, and it absolutely changed me. I, I had... One of many spiritual experiences. I remember I was, I had, I, I never told everybody that I was dating that I was in OA or really that I was in any of these programs. But I, um, I remember at one point when I was dating this one man, I had small goals. What I had, I used to think, I need to find someone to marry. So I was looking around like, who can I marry? How do you know? You just don't know. And then I, it was, pointed out to me, or I figured out something from going to all these meetings that, why don't I just find a much smaller goal than that? And I used to date people who were way younger than me. They were at least 10 years younger than me, because they were so cute. And they would show up on their skateboard to pick me up, and they were carded sometimes, and, you know, whatever. But I realized it would be a... It would definitely be a step up for me in maturity to date someone at least my age. So that was my only goal. My first person was my dentist because I knew he had a crush on me. And he was, he was at least my age. He was, he was older than me even. So, but I, you know, I kissed him once and I just couldn't do it again. I was just like, oh, this isn't working. But I still patted myself on the back. I was like, okay, I have taken a step, you know, I... I, I did something different because the only way I change is by different actions. That's the only way I change. I don't have to want to do it. I don't have to like it. I didn't have to like kissing my dentist. But he was older, which I had never let myself do before. And then I remember the next guy I dated, um, I realized I wasn't going to marry him. And I used to think I was going to marry everybody. Every single person I ever met, I thought I was going to marry. You would think that after dating people for a while, I would get the idea that, you know, it usually doesn't happen. But no, every single one I thought I was going to marry. And 
I remember realizing that I wasn't going to marry him in the middle of this. Like, we went for a weekend together with a couple of friends of his skiing, and he was so mean because I didn't like, I don't know how to ski. I'm not athletic. And I said, you know, I don't mind being there. I'll just be in the lodge. And he was, like, really super mean. And I realized, I'm not going to marry this guy. And it not only, it, like, transformed me inwardly so much so that I got spinal meningitis, like another flare-up. I had gotten spinal meningitis before, and it, it, every five years I would get it because it was a virus that lives in you. It probably still, they say it still lives in me, but it's so, so, so tiny now. I haven't gotten it since um, the millennium. So we're talking a long time ago. But I remember I... So I got really sick. I got really sick from this realization. Like, And he took me to the hospital and just dropped me off there. He didn't even go inside. He was that kind of a guy. So good thing, good thing I left. Or good thing he left me. And and I, it really changed me. It was like... It was like a spiritual awakening. After that, I just thought, I just don't care so much anymore. I just don't care. I was so tired. I don't want to hear your story, and I don't want to tell you mine. Um, Whereas before, I used to tell the absolute worst things about me on a first date. Because if you were going to leave me, I wanted you to leave me on the first date, not when we've been together a long time. And someone pointed out to me that that was not a good way to date. (laughs) And instead, I was just like, I didn't care anymore. I was just like, let's just see if we can get along over dinner. Like, that's it. Just see if we can, like, talk about dinner. It was, like, light and polite. So I ended up doing that. I ended up, um, uh, the guy right after that that I met, that that God kept putting in and out of my life, I ended up um, marrying. And then he ended up, and we had a great marriage and then he ended up dying and you guys I never ate over it like I never broke my abstinence I never broke my abstinence I never broke my sobriety I never took any pills or anything I and it was all because I was so involved in this program because I had really strong sponsorship and even though I did like lose lose some weight and gain a little weight like gain five lose five but I never knew how it wasn't like I didn't feel it happen. A lot of times when I lose weight, too, even in abstinence, let me tell you, I don't even know when it's happening. It's not like I feel I've, like I'm eating less. I'll just suddenly realize that I'm a size less. Like, when did that happen? And another time, other times, like one time I, um, I know that I have to put on clothes that, that um, don't have elastic in them all the way. Because one year I went, I gained 10 pounds and didn't know it because I was wearing, like, um, you, you know, yoga pants all year. And then I had to go home to see my parents, and I put on regular pants. And it was like, oh, my God, they don't fit at all. I had no idea. Like, I'm so unconscious about the food. And I've even gone to, and then how did I lose the weight? I, I eliminated sugar-free desserts because even though I'm a sugar, sugar addict and I haven't had sugar, sugar, sugar-free desserts still call my name a lot of times. And sometimes I'll overindulge in them. And I do eat those poisonous things like that have sweet and low, and I put sweet and low. And my, um, you know, my coffee in the morning has like five of those little European things. You go boom, 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 like little Tic Tacs. And I, I've never gotten over that, but... Um, 
anyway, I stopped, so I'll stop. I say, no sugar-free desserts. And then when I get home, I was like, okay, I can't eat when I get home because I'd go to a meeting. This is all in-person meetings. And I would feel like, oh, let me have something to eat. It's like, no, I can't do that. And sometimes we'd, I'd go out to dinner with my husband, and I'd have bread and butter. And I thought, okay, I'm cutting out bread and butter. So with those, like, little things, it would take, like, two or three months or three or four months. And I mean, for the 10 pounds, I think it took, like, a couple years. But I knew it would eventually come off. Um, so if anybody is wondering, like, oh, gosh, when is it going to come off? It just, for me, it just eventually came off. I just kept coming back and kept sticking to, like, what made, what was sensible, talking to a sponsor about what I could do and talking to people in program about what to do. So, I don't know, where are we now? It's 10 after. I think I have till 20 after, is that right? Okay. If anyone, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Just give me the 10 minute sign. If anybody has any questions, because I don't know what you all are interested in, I'm just going to take questions now because I love answering questions. So, thank you for letting me share. And if you have no questions, I will keep speaking or stop speaking. Go ahead. Um, how do you be nice to your husband? Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, that Yes. Um, Lucy asked, how do you be nice to your husband? Okay, this is a good one. Like, first of all, I have a really nice husband. And second of all, he's an easy victim. <laughs> he... Um, my first husband, I, he wouldn't put up with any crap, so I wouldn't be able to you know, not be nice to him. But my second husband does. And I was, I have done actually, I just finished a husband inventory like um, about a month ago, and I was going to try and read it to my sponsor before I got here, but she couldn't do it until Monday. But I say most of the time I am nice to him. And I do a lot of amends when I'm not. Like he'll... My husband's um, transgressions are very minor. Like when I say them out loud, they're things like he will repeat the same thing many, many times. Oh, thank you for laughing. <laughs> he, there, what else does he do that drives me nuts? Um, there's so little that I can't think of what they are. They're nothing like, oh, he cheats on me. Nothing like that. No, he robs banks. No, nothing like that. Um, they're nothing big. They're nothing worth leaving a marriage for. And we get along really well. We have a, a lot in common. Oh, he's always trying to get me to watch TV shows that he likes that I don't like. I still don't like them. So things like this like get on my nerves. And and to be honest, I mean, I, you know, I raise my voice. You know, I'm, I don't act perfectly because you know what? When I say it nicely, he doesn't react. He, um, he doesn't leave. He doesn't stop. So I feel like I'm this imperfect person, and I wrote for my, um, there's a column in my inventory, living a spiritual way of life, what would I do differently? And I did think of, well, I could leave the room. Like, I could leave the room and say a prayer. Now, I haven't read that to my sponsor yet, and maybe I will try that. And when I do, I'll be sure to report back to you on, like, how good I am that I actually left the room and said a prayer or counted to ten or whatever. So... I'd say I haven't really changed much. Um, I, I am aware that sometimes I can be nicer to him. Uh, and by the way, if you ask him, he thinks I treat him just great. Um, if you ask him, he thinks I'm wonderful. Um, he's constantly including me in things and just 
the man is really, he's really devoted to me. So I couldn't ask for anything better. So it's good that he doesn't think that, but I know that this is like wearing, you know, water on a rock. Like uh, eventually this wears things down. So I am working on this because I know it's not a good thing, but I can't tell you that I'm like wonderful at it. I still think I, I have a ways to go. That's, that's the honest truth. So, and meditation also helps when I do it. Sometimes I'll actually meditate like, God, please let me not get in a fight with, with John be, uh, while we're in the car going to Amici. Like, please let me not get in a fight till we get to Amici. And, and I'll do that for like 15 minutes. And that actually does help. Actually does help. Um, meditation always helps me calm down. I don't do it as much as I as I should because I know I know it works. It definitely works for me. Um, and when I talk to God about stuff, I always calm down. I always calm down. Like my my dog has um, a congestive heart failure, but miraculously he's doing real well now. But he was coughing really sort of loud, and I was feeling scared. And I was just like, God. Um, God, I um, please help me with Jasper. Like I know he 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 he's got congestive heart failure. I give him to you. I know he won't be here forever. I give him to you. I give him to you. I give him to you. And it calms me down when I talk to God directly. And it says either in the Big Book of the 12, 12 and twelve that we ask for specific things. To me, this is being very specific. This is a specific thing that I'm that I'm having trouble with. And when I ask God for help, it always calms me down. I think it says in the big book, like, when we ask God for help, immediately we feel better. Something like that. We, we immediately calm down. So, is that the last question? Yes? Can you talk more about how you came to this place with your parents and how you maintain that consistency with them of being kind and also just the frequency of Okay. The question is, how did I come to the thing with my parents and maintain the consistency of talking to them every week and, and being kind and loving? Um, I just, first of all, I was given sponsor direction. To me, that's like the teacher telling me what to do. And like, okay. I'm, I was once told, uh, you're a terrible worker, Vivian. Um, I want you to show up on time and smile. And you know what? I did that, and I got a raise. Not a raise. I got a bonus. <laughs> I got a bonus of $2,000, and I was making like $12,000 like nine months later. This program will change your attitude. It has changed my attitude. So if my sponsor tells me to do something, I've already chosen her because I think she knows what the hell she's talking about. So I call every week. I just, I just called. It was like a Sunday. I do. It was like she said it could be like five to ten minutes. So I know we're going to call on a Sunday. They're expecting the call on a Sunday. Call, you know, five, ten minutes. Ask them how they are. She gave me that, that instruction too. Wow, that never occurred to me. Ask them how they are. Like, ask them how they are and then one or two things about me. And then, you know, okay, love you. No, actually that was later. We never said love you in our house. Nobody said love you. I don't know if anyone did. Like, back in the 70s, I really wonder, because I don't remember anyone saying it, but later on people say it, so now we say it. So, and then I would hang up the phone. I just did every single week, and I would see them for Christmas. Um, but now they are, when they got, my mom got dementia, and both of them, it became evident that they couldn't live in the house alone because they fell in the house, and then my dad had to go in the hospital, and my brother was there for, like, two months taking care of them, and they, it became evident they couldn't live together. They couldn't live alone anymore. Suddenly, I, I went more times because I just felt like, well, I helped 
wanted them to move to a place where they could. My sponsor has told me just be a kind and loving daughter, be a kind and loving daughter, kind and loving daughter. So that's all I just act like. And I just, it's just like I, I'm playing a role. I put, it, I put it on like a raincoat. <laughs> and here, this is, I'm going to be a kind and loving daughter when I'm there. And then when I go home, you know, I can do whatever the heck I want. But I'm always glad that I did it. And if I don't have an argument with myself about it, like, I don't want to do it, that's a waste of time. It makes me feel bad. Same thing with meetings. If I don't argue with myself about going to the meeting, it's a lot easier to go. So I just decide I'm going to go. Be kind and loving, and I and right now I'm seeing them a lot just because they're so sick, basically, and it just feels like the right thing to do. It just feels like the right thing to do, which I think is a a God thing because it would not really for me. And I still say it's tough. It's tough to me. People live too long nowadays. This is ridiculous. I mean, we're both going to be on Social Security. That's insane. Uh, I like somebody. I, I feel like somebody give me cyanide later. This is too much, but that's the way things are now. So you got to play with the you know the cards you're given, and yeah, that's what I do. I hope that helps. You can always you know download on me if you feel like. Is that it? It's almost six twenty. Oh, this is good. Thank you for letting me share with you, and I wish everyone in this room, and by the way, um, Amy, you know, a lot of people come in, come in, come in, and then one day they get it forever, and so I wish that for you, and I bet everybody in this room wishes that for you, and for everybody in here, I hope today you go home and you're abstinent, and you just have one abstinent day. Thanks for letting me share. Tradition. While we are, we may express themselves in our good conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not.